This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. This is Manhunt, finding Kevin Paul. Peter is in lockdown, but then so is Kevin Paul. The strongest information suggests that the fugitive is either in Thailand or the United Arab Emirates. Whoever's in the hotel right now are people like myself who are stuck. Lots of people from different countries. You don't know where they came from, where they're going to, and of course you don't know who they are. But there's a chance he could be holed up in Spain, where he's been seen in the last few months. So what is lockdown like? Episode 12, Small World. Good day, everyone. Hope you're enjoying uh, Peter's podcast so far. It's Ben here. Peter just asked me to do a few words on what lockdown is like in Spain. We've been here for a good number of weeks now. And we were here, in fact, when the lockdown actually happened, which was significantly sooner than, than the UK. And, you know, life here has been eerie, weird, bizarre, you know, all the cliché words you can give uh, a situation like this. You know, Spain was what I remember, and still is, of course, but this is just the situation we're in. You know, a busy, bustling, happy, dynamic place with lots of visitors from all nationalities. You know, you can walk from your house or hotel, wherever you're staying. You can hear people in the swimming pools having fun and kids playing around, you know, families in the bar enjoying themselves, the clinking of glasses. But that's... um, The situation is starkly different at the moment. It's eerie, it's dead, as with most places in the world. But, you know, this place in particular, when you've got the memories you have of it, you know, the bustling environment, uh, to be in the same place without all that happening is, is rather bizarre. You only leave your house if you absolutely have to, and that have to is food or medicine. There's no daily exercises, there's nothing like that. There's no grey areas. You stay in unless you really do need to go out. When you do go out, absolutely be prepared to be stopped by the police, and if you haven't got a good enough reason, then you're in for it. Uh, Very, very strict. In in fact, there was a case locally I was reading whereby someone has now been jailed because they were caught out multiple times. It just won't be tolerated. As a result, statistics here are improving day on day, which is really positive. Take care. Frank. In Dubai. It is a five-star existence, but without being able to get out of your front door. That's the best that I can describe of it. I'm living in a two-bedroom suite in a five-star hotel, uh, restricted to uh, the nearest supermarket, purely to get uh, whatever I might need or that I might not want to uh, get from the hotel. And that's, uh, that's exactly what uh, the, the government here wants me to do, self-isolate. The highest fine is, at the moment, 50,000 dirhams, which is, uh, on a rough guess, at about 10,000 euros. Those are the fines. However, if you are caught or someone stops you on the way to the supermarket and you have a pretty good reason why you're out walking or in the car, that is fine. In other words, you need to have a good reason to be outdoors. It's a very, very free, uh, accepting place. 
whoever's in the hotel right now are people like myself who are stuck. In other words, they can't get a flight out because there aren't any flights out and they are stuck on the, uh, in the country. And I have seen many people like that, mostly, you know, from the area, if you like, but there are some Europeans as well, who are a little more easy to talk to or they're easier to talk to, talk to you. So I have spoken to many people. I have no idea where they're from or what they're doing here. Some of them did say what they were doing here, but I didn't retain the information. So lots of people from different countries, you don't know where they came from, where they're going to, and of course you don't know who they are. Morning, Peter. How are you doing? During the lockdown, people have been catching up on the podcast and sending questions to Peter. I know that you've been asking the audience to the podcast uh, for their questions, things that they wanted clarified, things that perhaps we haven't answered. So should we crack through those now? Please do. Okay, first one is from Mark Ross. He wants to know, has there ever been a picture done of how Kevin Powell might look today? And just related on that, Barry Meadows has also emailed to say, do you think Kevin Parle has had some sort of makeover? He refers to the fact that hair transplants, he says, are becoming more frequent in Thailand. He mentions possibly a facelift. So the two together, has there been a a picture of how he might look today? And what's your view on whether he might have had a makeover? Okay, well, the pictures on my flyers were compiled by John Moore's University in Liverpool. And what they did was they took the original police mugshots of Paul that were taken in 2004, um, and they computer-aged him, for want of a better expression, um, to make him look how they thought he would look in 2016. So that's when those pictures on my flyers are from. I haven't commissioned anything more recently, so they're the, they're the latest pics. It might be something that I need to consider, uh, perhaps going back to John Moore's university and asking them to add another four years to it. But bear in mind, some people have unmistakably, when they've seen those pictures, they've gone, that's it. So, so I think they are a fairly current-ish accurate likeness. Yeah, I've been with you when that's happened, and it is quite a, a moment. Um, Barry's question about... The possibility he may have had a makeover? What's your view on that? Yeah, well, somebody the other day rang me up and they were telling me a tale of a fugitive who had a very distinctive half an ear. And whilst he was on the run abroad, he had uh, plastic surgery to make the ear complete. So, is it a possibility? Yes, although going back to the previous questions, as, as you well know, Mark, people have gone looked at the flyers and they've gone, that is unmistakably him. Yeah. So there, there's been no mention of any reconstructive plastic surgery, hair transplants or the like, but it could be a possibility. He may have listened to the podcast and thought, I really need to change my appearance dramatically. Yeah, although as you also have pointed out on a few occasions, he's not a lot he can do about being six foot six. No, indeed, that's going to... Uh, that's going to be with him until old age shrinks him. And unless he has elocution as well, that Scouse accent's not going anywhere either. 
No, but let's just remember it's been described as a sort of soft Scouse accent as opposed to a scallywag Scouse accent. Yeah. Next question is from a guy called John Sharp who uh, appears to be a fellow QPR fan. He wants to talk about Kevin Parle's relationships. He says, I feel someone of his type will have plenty of disgruntled girlfriends who may have reasons to give you information if he's done the dirty on them. He specifically wants to ask, have you had any joy with the Cockney girlfriend? The one that I believe was mentioned on the Me Soul campsite. Any news on that? Yes, indeed, because the girlfriend in, in Me Soul was the daughter of a London black taxi driver. So we worked on the theory that she was a Londoner. And then, of course, when we were in Albia and we had that sighting there uh, of Kevin Powell quite recently, uh, somebody said that the girlfriend he was with at that time had a London accent. Well, I can conclusively say they are not the same person because the Meesol girlfriend from way back in 2006 has subsequently married and has a couple of kids. So they were most definitely uh, not the same person. I like John's thinking, and I very much hope that either a former girlfriend or perhaps even a disgruntled sex worker that he may or may not have used will say, enough is enough and now is the time to pick up the phone for either me or Crime Stoppers or Merseyside Police and say, I'll tell you where Kevin Parley is purely assuming because he did just that, he did the dirty on me. I think that is a distinct possibility. Okay, that also answers Stephen Graham on Twitter who also wanted to know if you found the London girlfriend. Stephen also asks, were you tempted to make Manhunt a TV series alongside the podcast? I never pitched it to television, to be perfectly frank, because, of course, the book got commissioned first and then we got the podcast commissioned. Both those things delighted me. And I simply never never pitched it to television. I think, you know, obviously I've been involved in quite a lot of TV. And whilst a TV camera can be very seductive for some people because they want to go on screen and they want to see their faces on the telly at some point, it also, with a, an investigation like this, it can be a very negative thing because people, so many people have told me stuff in absolute confidence which is why we voiced up so many people's accounts and testimonies using actors because they want to remain completely and utterly anonymous. And I suspect if I'd had a TV crew in tow that I may not have got much of the information that I had done. I think there were definitely some situations in Spain we could never have got anywhere near if we had a camera with us. I, I think that's absolutely right. Okay, Dave Hobson and Barry Meadows have got questions for you. They're along the same lines in terms of how Kevin Parle is making a living. Dave Hobson says, Is it possible that Parle still does, capital letters, really dirty work for the gang in Liverpool, hence as a way for him to still earn money or possibly creating contacts abroad for them? He asks, could they smuggle him into and out of the city? Uh, he says, I struggle to understand where Paul's income is coming from. Um, and Barry Meadows talks about the most recent source that you were talking to regarding the Cullen brothers. His question is, with Paul's apparent criminal associate network shortening, with the likes of the Cullen brothers being caught, there's a chance Paul may start running out of money 
if he's being funded by anyone in the criminal underworld, what's the chances he will still get involved in more criminal activity to fund his living, therefore making him potentially more of a wanted man? So really, in essence, with both of them, how's he earning a living and could it force him into a mistake? Yeah, well, I've had a lot of information, not evidence, but information that has told me he is being funded by organised crime. And that, of course, makes absolute sense. I'm sure everybody is aware of the vast sums of money that can be made from the illegal drugs industry, for example. And it would not surprise me in the slightest. In fact, I, I'm, I'm convinced, although I do lack some of the evidence I require at the moment, I am convinced that that is how he is being funded and harboured and, uh, and generally looked after. Because let me take you back to my days as an undercover cop when I used to pretend to be a gangster and I spent so much of that time buying huge quantities of drugs. I would sometimes take a minder with me um, and generally speaking they would be the broadest and the ugliest kind of bloke that I could get out of the undercover officer's index. And they would perform a role. They'd drive me, they'd play the role of being my minder, and it would send a message out to the people that I was doing business with that I really shouldn't be messed with, or else my pal might have something to say about it. Now, look at Paul, six foot six, wanted in connection with two separate murders. Let's just imagine that there was a drug deal negotiation going on on the key side of some port somewhere in the world, he would be a very useful bloke to take along with you to any such negotiations. Because you would say to those who might be supplying the drugs, you'd say, you're really not going to mess with us, are you? Because you know my mate is, and you know the reputation that he's got. So I think it's entirely likely that he may be an asset to organised crime. And I am hoping that through this podcast, through my investigation, I actually make Kevin Powell so high profile that he goes from being an asset to a liability. And that criminals, in order to keep their lucrative criminality going, might say, enough's enough. We're just going to have to give you up, Powell, because you've become too hot to handle, too much of a liability. And therefore... If they cut him loose, he's far more likely to pop up somewhere. Okay, Stephen Graham on Twitter wants to clear up what happened with the Dutch CCTV. That was one of the early sightings, as I recall, which I think was in Hilversum, and we referred to it. What Did anything happen to that? I announced my hunt for pile on the 29th of April 2019 in London, travelled up to Liverpool that night, and the following day, my phone rang with that alleged sighting of Paul in Holland. I was in Liverpool. I felt it needed a dynamic response to it. I couldn't get the authorities to view the CCTV. Only law enforcement could do that, of course. So I handed that information over to Merseyside Police. They have never fed back to me as to whether it was accurate or not, whether it was useful or not. But uh, suffice to say, 11 months on and Paul not having been captured, I think it's fair to say that that uh, person that came forward with that information 
was probably very well intentioned um, and saw somebody who looked like Paul but wasn't actually Kevin Paul. And Stephen wants to ask, have you spoken to any of Liverpool's, as he describes them, notorious supergrasses? I have spoken to a number of people that have come forward and spoken to me. I think it's fair to say that Kevin Parr will be harboured and funded by people with connections to crime. So those who actually know where he is here and now will be connected to crime. But you do, of course, understand that I have to protect my sources or else nobody's going to come forward and talk to me. So I've spoken to many people. They're courageous. I'm extremely grateful. It's why I've made the progress that I've made. And I sincerely hope that continues in the future. Difficult question, this one, but this is Joyce on Twitter. I know that there is a £20,000 reward, which I believe is tied to Kevin Powell's actual conviction. Her question is, when you find Kevin Powell, can you be sure he will be arrested, tried and indeed convicted, she asks. Well, as for being tried and convicted, um, those, of course, will be matters for the police, the Crown Prosecution Service and the court. So that, that would be completely out of my hands. I do have a relationship with the Merseyside Police, albeit it tends to be a bit of a one-way street in so much as that I have given them information in the past and, and not had any feedback on it. But the fact that Parle is still at large, I think we can work on the theory that that information uh, might not have been entirely accurate. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure he will be arrested. I'm a bit concerned that there's not a red notice for him on the Interpol website, but I have brought that to the attention of Merseyside Police and they said they were going to look into that. He is, of course, very much on the National Crime Agency's most wanted list, so uh, I am sure that when he is found, that he will be arrested, and then should he be out of the UK, then, of course, extradition proceedings will have to start. Okay, and there are two questions on that subject about the relationship with the police. Talky Hunter on Twitter asks, what's the police stance on your hunt for Paul? Have they followed up on your sightings? And Mark Ross, who we heard from earlier, he says, as you have given the police some information, have the police given you any information back? Okay, let me deal with that part first. No, the police have not given me any information back, and that doesn't surprise me. I think that's probably entirely proper, because, of course, there are data protection laws, Official Secrets Act. The police's actions are governed by a raft of legislation, and it might be utterly inappropriate for them to start feeding back information to me. What I would like every now and again from them is, uh, in answer to my question, was it helpful? A simple yes or no might be uh, courteous and useful for me, but essentially it, it is a bit of a one-way street. I haven't told them everything. Of course I haven't, but I have given them some information, and I hope that in the not-too-distant future, in fact in the very near future, I hope that I am giving them the piece of information that will lead to the handcuffs being slapped on. 
Uh, Sophie on Twitter. Has lockdown slowed you down, do you think? No, it hasn't, because the information that keeps coming in has kept me really busy. I do my own research online, make numerous phone calls, send copious amounts of emails, and of course, I have Kyle, who is my open source intelligence guy, who does a lot of research for me as well. So it hasn't slowed me down, although, as we speak this week, there are places now that I really need to go to, and of course, I can't. So there may come a point in the near future, if the stream of information slows down or dries up, then, yeah, that, that, that could potentially hinder me. But for the time being, I've still got plenty to do, albeit it is from the confines of my box room office. And finally, uh, Mark, on email, quite a thoughtful question, but an opportunity for you to make a direct appeal. His question is, what would you say to people who are close to Paul or know where he is? That's uh, a very good question. And what I would say to them is, if you are involved in criminality, if Kevin Paul is a part of that criminality, then when he is found... Not only will he be arrested, but you are running the risk of being arrested as well and your criminality being exposed and you may potentially be staring down the barrel of a very significant jail term. Kevin Powell is now becoming a liability. I am reaching out to so many groups, organisations, and this podcast has been listened to by so many millions of people that they're all going to be eyes and ears operating on my behalf. The time has now come for Kevin Powell to be taken into custody. If you offer him up, if he surrenders in his own accord, then in all likelihood you may be able to carry on your criminality unhindered because it's not your criminality I'm interested in. I merely want Kevin Powell to stand in a court of law and answer the allegations made against him. You, you may think he's your asset. He's actually now a liability. And the time for him to go into custody is now. Peter has made huge strides in finding out about Kevin Powell. He's spoken to ex-girlfriends, ex-school and college friends, former police officers who've worked on the case and his own intelligence community around the world. He should be the most notorious and well-known fugitive on the planet. Just over 24 hours into this hunt for Powell already, I've had a phone call from somebody living abroad who said they thought they spotted him a few days ago. One of the first calls Peter takes on his burner phone is from a man in Holland who believes he saw Paul. Quite frankly, he could be anywhere. It's believed a Merseyside man who's wanted in connection with two murders may have been spotted in five different countries. I want to know what you're doing to protect yourself in the search. People have contacted me and have reported a number of different sightings. 
of whom they believe to be Kevin Powell. That was astonishing. Kevin Powell has been visiting Liverpool within the last year. Kevin Powell is a dangerous man. This is a, a quite a complex character. He is a risk taker. His narcissism pulls him back to Merseyside. There's some people in this city who see Kevin as one of our own. Liverpool would be the kind of person who'd been let down a lot, open-hearted, but very wary. Kevin Powell is still at large and inquiries will continue in respect of his work to chase him. What people quite often are fearful of doing is saying, I know who did this and I will come to court and tell you. They are scared. I've got a great guy who's doing all the open source inquiries for me. We have found now a method of finding people that have gone to ground. You've got to behave like a rat, and where rats go, they go down and under. <laughs> Kevin was here for a whole summer back in 2006. Well, of course, it, it absolutely confirms those earlier reports that Paul was down here. How easy is it for a fugitive to kind of hide in plain sight down here? Very easy. I've just shown these pictures to my husband, and he says he's seen this man in this town recently. We were told that a person we're looking for yeah. used to come here. Oh. A man called Kevin. Yeah, I know Kevin? him. Okay. Yeah. Tall guy. Big tall guy. Yeah. yeah. How is he? Yeah. I'll show you a picture. Alright. Yeah. Oh no. I'm talking about a guy that's maybe 75 now. I'd be very suspicious of that. I'll tell you now, that person was lying. The most recent information that I've received would indicate that he's not in Spain any longer. Sounds like he's got cash if the sightings in Albia are correct. In somewhere like Thailand, he would blend in enough with tourists, but he would still stand out. I'm hoping that people, when they are in lockdown, will want to listen to podcasts, and they'll listen to this, and they will become more eyes and ears looking out and listening out for Kevin Park. I have a feeling I bumped into him around 2007-2008 in Pattaya, Thailand. No sooner had I tracked down one ex-girlfriend than another one came forward to speak to me this week. He was proud of the knife. He told me the last time someone came to have a go at him, he took off one of their arms with it. As we make the world smaller, eventually when he pops up, I think somebody's going to be there to slap the handcuffs on. If you shake the tree, eventually things fall from the branches. There is a very strong sense of injustice and anger that Kevin Powell is still at large. And I send out that message. I'm coming for you, pal. Next time will come when Peter gets a chance to get back on the road again. He'll keep in contact with all his informants and the moment something or someone moves. Peter will be back to continue the hunt. My hunt for Kevin Powell remains very much alive, but of course I am restricted to my office at the moment. The sound of me bashing the keyboard, sending emails and making phone calls does not make for gripping podcast material. Be under no illusion. My hunt continues. I've got plenty to do. And if you have information, there are so many ways you can contact me via social media, via my website, 
peterblexley.com or you can of course phone me on 07908-617-694 and thank you. One potentially strong piece of information has one of Peter's investigators, Kyle, working on an actual address that Paul could be living at right now. I have located specific addresses of associates of Paul and a strong lead on the location that Paul himself lives. Produced by Lewis Borge Cardona, Manhunt Finding Kevin Paul is written and edited by Mark Sandell. Narrated by Sinetra Sarka, the series is a six foot six and five live production for BBC Sounds. And we'll be back. Alan Shearer and Ian Wright are in my kitchen. Mm. What's going on here? The all-new Match of the Day Top 10 podcast, answering a huge football question every week. This has not been easy, has it? Like the Top 10 Premier League strikers. Firstly, I think it's really hard to have Shearer anywhere near the Top 10. (laughs) The Match of the Day Top 10 podcast. Only available on BBC Sounds.